Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Heron. Great to have you along on this show this week. If this is the first podcast you've listened to of ours, then please do go back and have a listen to the other podcast and uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can get hold of me. You can email me podcast at kiwirider.co.nz or you can get hold of us on social media. We're on all the uh, usual platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And today I'm out in Wider Upper testing, riding, test riding. Having some fun on some Ducatis. Right now, I've just swung a leg over. The Hypermotard? I'm not clued up enough on these to, 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 to comment too deeply. But what I can tell you is I have ridden today the brand new Desert X. Been out on it, done a loop, enjoyed it. And now I'm on the bike with the basically the same engine, the Hypermotard. And I am not willing to take it on the same gravel loop. So I'm sitting on the bike at an intersection waiting for the team on the Multistratas and the Desert X to come back. And we're going to catch up with uh, old mate Todd, Todd Heslam. He's out here too. He's been riding a few of the Multistratas today. And he's a lot more clued up on the Ducatis. He's, uh, he's actually, he's secretly tempted to get a um, Multistrata V2 himself. But uh, we'll see what he thinks very shortly here at uh, Kiwi Rider Podcast. Thanks for joining us. More in a moment. Old mate Todd, Todd Heslin's out here with me. Now, Todd, give me your raw, unadulterated thoughts after having ridden a few of these bikes. Just just let it let it pour out. Give me your thoughts. All right, out at the Ducati test ride day, and we have the Multistrata V for us and the Multistrata V2, not the S model. They're the two that I've been riding. Uh, there is another Multistrata V4S, but it doesn't have all the extra fun stuff on it. Um, and then there is a Hyper Motard, the new Desert X. I mean, this is the launch test ride for the Desert X. Um, and there's also a Scrambler. So I have been on the V4S um, straight up, first up, and then also on the V2 um, after that. So let me just dump out all my thoughts. I can compose into something more intelligent later. Um, first out on the V4S. Um, straight up, it is really really fast but you don't feel like it's particularly going fast um very quickly you get to 150 160 kilometers an hour without really realizing you're going fast so compare this to the tiger as you're winding it out it feels like you're really riding the bike really really quick but the um ducati actually for both the v4s and the v2 they just pick up and hold speed so smoothly there's not much vibration and it just accumulates i my first experience of you know holding it wide open going through the gears i absolutely didn't even realize how fast I was going. I, I kind of thought, oh, I thought this bike would have a bit more poke. I thought it would be a bit faster. But little did I know that it accumulated speed so, so quickly, um, way faster than I expected. So seating position, V4S, you can get your knees into the tank um, when on gravel road. And um, we took it around a gravel road loop and the V4S you could sit in and um, stand. You could sit or stand and either way your knees could grab onto the tank and you could put the weight on the outside peg and maintain traction on these Scorpion... Pirelli STRs. Not STR, the Pirelli Scorpion 2 is what is on the Multistrada. 
STR is what on the is what is on the Desert X. So you compare that to the V2. The V2 had really nowhere to grab. If you're sitting down, you could still grab on a bit, but once you stood up, there is nowhere for your knees to go. Uh, it is wild, free air, and it is really hard to get a decent position. But both bikes, the absolutely worst part about them is that you cannot, with a size 11 boot, you cannot stand on your toes and be flat. You have to be kind of up on an angle because the exhaust gets in the way, um, which makes it really, really hard to ride off-road because you can't actually just stand there in a good standing position knees tucked in uh, feet re- relatively flat and on the um, kind of balls of your feet not the arches but the balls of your feet um, so both of them kind of didn't do so well in that but with the V4S at least you had more uh, more area to grab with your knees um, generally traction control in the V4S was way better um, when it came to off-road, you could, in enduro mode, you could just hold it flat wide open and it would give you a really nice fishtail, but then never lose traction because of the, I'm guessing the IMU um, traction control. Uh, the V2 felt like it was more likely to spin around sideways. Um, still fun, but you've got to be more careful or a more adventurous rider to be able to take that. Um, but I could carry way more speed on the V4S on a heavier bike I don't know how much heavier it is but heavier bike and it felt I could go faster on it on the same road tyres riding on the road um, both of them felt like you could kind of get into a decent position on the seat and um, pull in around corners and kind of hold a line reasonably well the V4S has the electronic suspension so uh, that was uh, reasonably good to soak up the bumps as needed in what's in dynamic mode so when you're in sporty mode it's all really hard but then when it fills a bump it instantaneously takes that away which is really nice with the v2 it's in sport mode but i think the suspension is set up pretty hard so when you hit a bump when you're riding pretty quick you feel it uh, a lot more at least than the v4s um Overall, the dash feels way more um, minimal on the V2. On the V4, it feels like you're in a bit of a spaceship. But that being said, everything feels kind of way closer to you than I expected. I thought it would be a little bit further away, but the bars are actually pretty close to you, which means that you can be in a pretty comfortable position, but then also um, when riding more sporty or being standing up um, or sitting down off-road, uh, it's in a really good position because it's not too far away. Um, you are in both bikes. You're pretty close over the front wheel, which is really good for the um, off-road because you've got the 19-inch front wheel, so you want to have a fair bit of pressure on it. Um, and you can bring that weight forward because you can slide your body forward. On the V4S, once again, the seat and the tank design made it way easier to just feel confident um, sliding into a corner. Uh, both of the back brakes were set up way too low, so I could barely use a back brake. Uh, both of them had incredible front brakes. I could stop really, really quick. Um, the V2, actually, I found a little bit better in terms of twisty road riding. Uh, the V4S was faster, was much faster, but the V2 just felt like you could, um, like it was just a bit more of a raw machine. Um, particularly, you can move your butt up to the back uh, passenger or the pillion seat, um, and it was in a, you could get yourself into a really nice little, um, not really a race tuck, but a really nice, um, you know, body position for throwing it around the corners. Um, the V4S was okay, but I didn't actually, I felt just a little bit more comfortable in the position of V2 when going from side to side um, in some of the faster corners. Um, that being said, the V4 was probably going faster. It just, it takes a lot of the effort away. Um, 
is there anything else that comes to mind? Um, is there anything else? Do you still want the veto? Ah, do I want the V2? Well, the one I really wanted was the 1200, which was five years, five, six, seven, many years back, the, the, the second generation. Um, that was the one I actually really liked. It had the 17-inch front wheel. I think between the V2 and V4, I'd prefer the V4. The V2 feels like... It feels like it wouldn't be enough of a change from my bike to be worth switching like my bike like they're, they're completely different sort of machines but just the general sensation the v4 feels like a completely different bike where the v2 feels like a nice ducati version of my tiger um if i was to recommend if someone wanted to get the like between the tiger maybe like the the sporty tiger not the like um rally version um and the ducati like they'd be pretty similar when you look at the v2 um the v4 just feels like it's perfect in every way except it's really expensive <laughs> um but i don't know it's like it's an easy buy if i had them if i had the money it's an easy one to be like yep i'll buy that i'll put it away um and i'm gonna ride it but uh i don't know it, it, it everything came really easy everything felt very easy on it um which so i don't know would v2, you get used to that old veto or new v4 Ah, okay, so the original, like the original Multistrada or UV4. Um, I'd have to run them back to back like I did these, but I think maybe the original because you feel like you're, like it's shaking you as, as, as it's going. Like you, you feel like you're riding a bike. Like for me, a lot of the experience of riding a bike is having like having to work for it which <laughs> sounds terrible like the v4s are probably a way safer bike a way easier bike to ride more enjoyable better touring um but there's something about having to work for it that makes it worth you know waking up early on a sunday morning and going out for a ride um and not to say you can't do that on the v4 but um it's very refined and i don't know if i'm at a point in my life where very refined is the top criteria for me Okay, so you've uh, you've ridden now the big V-Strom, the big Pan America, and the big Ducati Multistrada V4S. Uh, obviously, you've done the Multistrada for as long as the other two. Where, what do you like? Uh, the the Multistrada is definitely superior to the others. It just feels like a different step up. Um, it feels like quality. Yeah, everything's just very refined. Like, refined is probably the key word here. Like, a V4 is... The V4S um, was re refined over the V2. Maybe the V2S had a few... Would have a few extra little tricks, but fundamentally, they felt like different bikes. Um, and then, you know, Pan America, then the V-Strom. So, V-Strom, I love to ride, but it definitely had that raw characteristic to it, um, where this is completely the opposite. This is like the anti-V-Strom in every possible way. Um, one thing, though, I did notice is the screen. So the screen on the V4S with my Arai X-D4 and my height, uh, which is like just under six foot, um, I had no wind buffeting. It was fantastic. But on the V2, I had to actually tuck down a bit because the way the windscreen was was throwing it straight at my face. Something that can be fixed, but um, factory, I found the uh, V4S better in terms of that. Um, actually, I don't know. Looking at the bike now, I think they actually have like a rally screen on that. See, it looks it looks bigger than the other v uh, V4, right? The grey one versus the red one? I think it's the same. It's just that far. 
Ah, maybe, yeah, maybe it's movable. Oh, quick shifter. So, idiot me forgot they had a quick shifter um, on the V4S. Um, so, we're doing the most spectacular twisty road whilst I was being an idiot and using the clutch. Um, but when I realized I had a quick shifter, um, super smooth, does not like to be used down low. It likes to be used when you're revving hard and you're riding hard. And equally, when you're going down gears, um, if you come into a corner, and this is something that I, I'm guilty of on the Tiger come into the corner, shift down, shift down, then you add a bit of brake and then you go into the corner, basically using a lot of engine brake. Um, I have been told that pads are cheaper than engines, so I probably should use my brakes more, but um, you can't really use a quick shifter like that because it's so jerky when you're just um, slamming it down. If you have brake pressure on and you're slowing and then you go down so as you should be going into the corner hit the brake you don't have to be hard just on the brake and then down down um, on the quick shifter it's really smooth but if you don't have that brake um, I just found it a bit more clunky um, so that definitely took getting used to like going around and like consciously not clutching that was actually kind of hard harder way harder than I expected but um Overall, quick shifter is an amazing experience. Um, I really enjoyed that. I don't think there's too much more with the bike. I mean, the, the V4S is heavier, but I felt way more confident off-road. Both of them are surprisingly easy to kind of just, on your tippy toes, push the bike around, given how heavy they are. Um, I take the V4S because it's more refined. The V2 probably just isn't refined enough for me to make a switch to it. But then again, like it's a cheaper bike, you could probably go and add a whole bunch of more customizations to it. Do the other thing that we like to do, which is take a stock bike and make it your own by adding customizations. So whilst the V4 is super refined, I don't know how much I'd really want to customize it because it's kind of perfect in the way it is, which means your V4 is like everyone else's. Um, yeah, end of my thoughts. What do you reckon? How do they sound? They sound great. The Desert X sounds fantastic on diesel. Okay, you got to tell me about Desert X because I haven't ridden it and I'm still recording. I'm going to make sure that I am recording. Yes, I am. And Desert X, um, first impressions? Okay, so the Desert X going from the Tenere 700, which I've ridden forever now, um, it feels like the Tenere 900. It feels very uh, familiar, but then it's got a bit more poke. Wait, you say Tenere 900? Yeah. What's the Tenere 900? There is no Tenere 900. This you could be a bigger oh, engine okay. Tenere. It feels that familiar. <laughs> okay. I got on the bike and I rode it straight away. Screen not adjustable, but good. Good. No buffeting. Um, power up the yin-yang. Uh, it feels like a step on from the T7 in every way. It's got the electronics. It's got a bigger engine, more poke. Um, I felt at home on those tyres straight away. They're the Pirelli STR Rally whatever they whatever you want to call them um, we'll call it rally pro just yeah. to make it sound good sure you're welcome Pirelli. put a pro on there um, I love those headlights they're yeah, so good yeah. they're so good um, what else can I say how did you find it on the twisty road because that suspension was set up really soft so that's um, the it's biggest, set up for the dirt that's the biggest downside is the front has a lot of dive completely adjustable and we didn't adjust it exactly let's give it credit it's, it's, um, yeah but the way it is, the way I rode it, I didn't like the amount of dive. So the brakes are yeah. amazing. Yeah. They have really good bite. That's what I'd like the T7's brakes to be. Mm -hmm. They never will be, but that's what I'd like. The rear brake felt... Uh, no, that felt good. That had a nice solid bite to it, good pedal feel. Uh, but as soon as you touch, touch the brakes, the front dove a lot. And that put me off going too fast on it. Mm. But in comparison, I just rode the 
Hyper Motard. Thank you. Uh, and the ba- the back break on that just was just a sponge. Mm. Yeah, but front brakes, I'm guessing, decent. Adequate. Not a bad point. Yeah, so, so I checked out the Desert X suspension before we took off, and the front is absolutely set up for gravel and enduro riding. Um, it is um, quite loose, uh, barely any rebound. It's made to be able to jump around in and out of ruts. Um, but I knew for sure that was not going to be really good when you're going at speed around twisties. Like, that's that's going to be pushing you wide on every corner. Um, but how did that feel making that compromise? Because this one doesn't have automatic adjusting suspension, so you have to kind of set it. You have to say, well, do I want to enjoy the Ramatakas coming over here, or do I want to um, have it set up for the gravel and just kind of take it easy yeah, on the Even Ramatakas. on the gravel, it just felt too soft. Oh, okay, yep, yep. So you probably would be wanting to add some more compression because it, yeah. it was coming straight down. Um, interesting. I didn't it was a check comfortable whether we could. ride. Both front and back was a comfortable ride, mm. um, but soft. And for that reason, the bike felt slightly disconcerting. Yeah. Um, electronics, not instantly easy to use. You have to kind of read the book or somebody has to tell you. There's a couple of hidden hold this button for so long and then you move into this other menu type thing. Mm, yep, same as the V4S. Yeah. Uh, it was a very long introduction to the electronics, of which I used barely any of it but um, I could see it would be something that would take a lot to get your head around if you're let's say you're not using computers all day every day like we are um, you it might be a lot to learn and remember unlike the Pan America where you've got one button to scroll between all the modes you know mm, one dedicated yeah, mode yeah. button um, yeah. I found I used two modes in the Desert X um, Enduro Pro and I think it was a sport mode I liked Enduro, it made sense. On the gravel, lit up the tyre in first, second, third and fourth and just had a, and I had enough control to, to drift it a little bit in those corners. Didn't want to go too crazy because it's not my bike. But oh, cool. that didn't stop me on the others. <laughs> They're both multi-striders were drifting pretty uh, pretty happily. Um, the V2 definitely felt like I was going to drop it more so than the V4S. <laughs> Just interrupting this episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast to let you know it's spring. Have you thought about your motorcycle insurance? Protector Insurance do a massive range of motorcycle insurance. It's motorcycle insurance by motorcyclists for motorcyclists with some awesome benefits like they can give you the booking fee for your Ride Forever course back. They can cover not only your bike but your gear as well and they can do track day cover. So check out protectorinsurance.co.nz and get a quote today. I was incredibly surprised I even saved money on my policy. Protectorinsurance.co.nz That's P-R-O-T-E-C-T-A insurance.co.nz And thanks Protector for sponsoring this episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast. You looked comfortable on the um, uh, Desert X. It looked like the sort of bike that you would buy maybe because it looks like the bike that you own <laughs> yeah that, that's the the one thing i'm struggling with like it is very similar to the bike i own is that why i like it um you know 19 uh, sorry 21 front 18 rear i'm used to that the tires on it i'm used to those it's as i say it's got more poke in it so and it's got the electronics and the nice tft display if I was to buy a Ducati today, that'd be the one I'd buy. Oh, 100%. That is your, that is you in and out. But 
I'm not sitting here going, I want to go and buy it now. I don't have that urge. You know, like when Apple released yeah. a new computer, I want to go and buy the new computer. But... Well, see, this is the thing. So you're on the T7. I think if you were riding the Tiger or you were riding, let's say, the um, V2, the uh, Multistrada V2, like that was your daily bike now, and they brought out the Desert X, I think you'd jump on the Desert X and say, where has this been my whole life? Because I think that style is more your style, right? Um, so one the clock back to when I was riding a, tenor, a, a um, MTO7 daily, you reckon I'd be looking at the Desert X? Yeah, but I, I mean... You're coming from a T7, which is a very similar platform. They're all in the same class. And the Desert X is a step up, but it takes a lot of convincing to get rid of a bike you love and pay more money to get uh, another bike that's very, very similar, but just a step up. But when you're talking about something that's like light years away from what you're riding, out of all of them, I think a Desert X would probably take, would probably suit you. The interesting question is if you're on the MT07 every day, would you pay the extra for the Desert X or would you be like, nah, I'm going to do the T7 if you hadn't already owned the T7? If it was like you'd just go into this for the first time. What do you reckon? Uh, I think brand affinity comes into it a lot and I've always kind of liked Yamaha um, plus price. Yeah. But if you put the T7 and the Desert X side by side, um, Desert X has more poke. T7 um, is more dirt bikey. Mm-hmm. So, although the Desert X will go and do Molesworth, no worries, I don't think I would ever take it anywhere near Odlands Road, for example. Hmm. Um, where would that be mostly down to confidence? Or do you think that's some capability as well? Do you feel like the T7's just got that extra edge? I, I feel know. like the T7 can be knocked over and it's fine. The Desert mm. X is... It's still got crash bars on it, yeah. but it's got a lot of tech in it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's valid. So there's definitely the, you know, a more confident rider would, like, you know, Bertie would take any bike anywhere, but it comes down to, well, if you're going to put your own hard-earned money into buying one, are you going to take a Desert X, which is, I don't know, 25K, something like that? Something like that. Um, are you going to take that down a single track where, you know, if you drop it, you don't really know what sort of damage you're going to do and you don't know how you're going to fix it and you don't really know how much it's going to cost. And there's all these things going on in your mind while you're trying to still be confident and be a confident rider. Um, but the T7, yeah, it's much cheaper. So you can just throw it down and, you know, you can jump on the internet and find some Yamaha parts and you'll get them, you know, the next week. That's the other thing is, is Ducati comes with a, a higher maintenance bill. Mm. Yep. I know the service intervals on that on that DX are quite long, but it's Italian versus Japanese. Yeah, and there's just so many um, aftermarket. I was going to say knockoff aftermarket parts for like a Yamaha and the T7. You know, it's like they share a lot of parts with the MT07, right? Yeah. So like you've just got this bigger aftermarket market. Uh, which you need for a bike that you're going to be taking in places where it probably is going to be pushing the limits because you're going to break something at some point, as you've already done. But Desert X, more than capable. Yes. I think if you had the confidence and you had the budget to fix it, if something went wrong, you would take the Desert X and probably just have a hell of a time. Um, it's, it's, I think it's hard to sell... 
that is next to someone who like maybe even might go and get it on finance but then they might not be able to afford if they ride it really really hard just hear the bikes there so like if you if you had the desert x and then you couldn't afford to fix it you're not going to take it on Odlands Road where it's completely capable of doing Odlands Road mm. um, and therefore you you may as well buy the V2 like why would you buy a bike that looks mean and can go and do some really gnarly off-road if you don't have the capability of fixing it when it goes down but for the long Ks of for example Molesworth and Rainbow the Desert X would be nicer than the T7 you've got more engine power a comfortable seat uh, more comfortable seat I should say cruise control electronics mm. which you don't have on the T7 yeah I've done yeah. those roads on it but it's a long way when you're literally riding old school with you know a, a cable between your right hand and the engine yeah 100% and this goes back to we've had this conversation many times people buying very capable um, you know off-road motorcycles <clears throat> KTM and then they go and ride them mostly touring and they do a little bit of gravel road and that's kind of it like it, it's kind of in our sport where people will uh, buy a very uh, overcompetent motorcycle for th- what they really want to do with it so maybe that doesn't really matter maybe you don't have to be doing enduro <laughs> on a desert X maybe you just have to like um, be able to sustain um as you say, maintenance, and, you know, buy it outright, sustain the maintenance, and be okay if once in a while you occasionally just, you know, have a little accident. Put the bars on. Get the optional extra bars. Um, the other thing is, um, cost-wise, we're talking that mid-range adventure market. T7's at 18, give or take. That's the only thing sub-20. So you've mm. got the KTM at between 25 and 28. you got... Ouch. You've got the Desert X at 25-ish. Um, we, should, we should clarify exactly how much it is because I kind of guessed that. Yeah. Um, Cut to the studio. Thank you, Future Ray and Future Todd, for giving us those prices. What else have you got in that mid-range? You've got a BMW offering. Uh, That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, um, I, I, I actually do not... No, I've sort of lost track the last couple of years. I haven't been looking at adventure bikes because I've sort of been pretty happy with what I've got. So I've just lost touch. And you've gone road. Yeah, I know. Spending time on track will uh, distract you for a little bit, won't it? Would you get a scrambler? Put some dirt gear on it? You know what? Like, I've never tried a scrambler. Um, It feels like a lot of the adventure riding that I do... um, is the sort of ride, riding that a scrambler was designed for, which is just like cruising along the road and then you go and do a gravel road and then you kind of go somewhere else. Um, I don't mind doing the, the hardcore stuff, but I just don't like taking really big bikes. Um, maybe maybe the Desert X, I don't know, I haven't ridden that one yet, but I don't know, my bike, my, my uh, Tiger 800, your T7, just doing those hard roads, I, I, like the hard single tracks, I don't know. It's You've got the extra suspension travel and stuff, right? Yeah, it's... it's I just rather take like a DR or a dirt bike. It's just way less work, and you know you're going to come home. <laughs> um, where the other ones is like, well, I, I think I'll get home. I don't really know what the damage bill will be, and I don't know how much sweat I'm going to have to put out, you know, pushing this thing up a hill or something, uh, pulling it out of a ditch. Um, 
So my sort of writing is typically more just when I'm doing this sort of adventure stuff. It's more just like gravel, like like most people. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, a scrambler probably would be fine for that because you're really just kind of cruising along, then bobbing along a bit of gravel, and then you know maybe down a little bit of single track, but you're not doing anything too gnarly. Turn around, and go back. Um, I take it we pushed um, the guy on this black scrambler beyond his uh, comfort zone on the first loop. I heard there was an incident. It's gone down on its left-hand side and dented mm. the tank. Okay. I haven't, I haven't observed that yet, but let's say we were we were holding some good pace with the um, fellow uh, gentleman from... Uh, I can't remember his name either. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Um, he's from, guy, from guy Jakarta, the, yeah. yeah, guy in the... Well, he's the guy from the workshop at um, Mudamart. He's the yes. guy that changed my tyres. So go on, go on, on um, YouTube, have a look at the um, adventure riding on a T7 burn buster video. It's the guy that changed my tyres. That guy. Yeah, good dude. Love, lovely dude. Yeah, it had um, we had a good chat about the two different bikes. He was following me on the first round. I was on the V4S and he was on the V2 behind me. Um, he was keeping up. Um, he was definitely hooting and I was pushing that as well. Oh, he can ride. Um, he was stuck to you. He w- he can definitely ride. Um, what? So that's interesting. So on that gravel loop where this fellow little um, scrambler had a little, little slide... Um, I felt the rear was super controlled on the um, V4S, but the front end on road tires, I mean, coming into the corner, it just you're just like feeling it slip, 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 and then it bites. And it's kind of really tricky to have the confidence on a bike that you don't own <laughs> to like push it into a corner um, and slide it around. The rear, the rear traction control, the rear electronics was fantastic. But um, yeah, there was definitely some moments where it's like, I'm just not sure how well this is going to um, turn around this corner. Um, Tenere 700, when I bought it, mm. had front and rear fat standard OEM um, Pirelli SDR Scorpion, whatever you want to call them, which are on the Desert X. When I first rode the T7 off-road, I didn't have a lot of gravel experience on mm. a big adventure bike at the time. I found the front end squirrely, but the back was fine. Mm. Since swapped to the Midas EO7 Plus on the front, have since gone back to a Pirelli on the rear. It's been fine, but the Desert X was not squirrely today. It was planted and comfortable in the gravel and yep. playful. I could play with lighting up the rear and drifting. Yeah, and you can bring that down to the Desert X would just have a better suspension set up. Um, it was saying it even wasn't, if it was soft. Yeah, even if it wasn't set up perfectly, it's going to just give you that extra grip. It's it's amazing with these um, adventure bikes. If your suspension is set up right, the wheel is just tracking over the gravel. Like those little bumps that you come across you, you're not kind of clipping the peaks and then you know you're only hitting over a meter of ground you're only just clipping over you know three or four times and that gives you that sensation of um, the front just sliding um, if your suspension set up right your tire is actually going up and down through all those peaks and you don't even really notice them um, so these newer bikes have just a bit better set up out of the out of the factory and that kind of helps um, I Agree that tires make a huge difference in this. Like I was pretty surprised with how well the V4S felt and, and the V2 felt with the um, Pirelli Scorpion Trail um, Two. Uh, they are a road tire. They are like a 95.5 tire or say 90.10, whatever. Um, they are not made for gravel, but they slid around and just did an amazing job. Um, super, super impressed. But yeah, you throw a, even the STRs on there, um, Pirelli STRs or something more aggressive and it would just be a weapon like you 
you can just like get into a corner, slide in and push away, push your way out. All that said, these crop bikes, bikes, four wheel, four seat, four people pedaling, and a steering wheel. Yeah, should that be our next test ride? Think about. That looks like a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, too. Well, we didn't intend on doing a podcast. I came over here to take some notes, and you just come and stood next to me. So I guess we can include Hijacked. we can include this in uh, the podcast. And you're going to do all the audio editing, and I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to start the conversation and then leave you with the audio footage. From what I heard, it sounded very um, coherent. Oh, good, good. I'm pleased to hear that. But I you know, didn't what? know what would happen. My non-existent watch tells me it's lunchtime. Yep, for the record, Ray is looking at his wrist and he just sees little hairs on his wrist and there is zero watch. Maybe a bit of a watch tan. My mum, my mother used to say, here past a freckle. There you go, your mother was a wise woman. Um, lunchtime, we should eat because we have worked really hard. Oh, so hard. So hard, testing bikes. So there you go. Multistrata V4S V2 Desert X a little bit of Hyper Motard in action in there as well and uh, Todd had some serious serious thoughts about that Desert X which uh we yet to hear from him. We'll catch up with him maybe next week and uh, get his thoughts on the Desert X. But I think that's the bike he's leaning towards. Right, this is Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray here, and thank you so much for joining me. If you want to get in touch, you can email me podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. We're on all the social media channels as well Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, just under the handle Kiwi Rider Podcast. My stuff goes up at motonz.com. The magazine, Kiwi Rider magazine, is available twice a month absolutely free for you at kiwirider.co.nz. And if you want to catch up with what Matt's up to as well, on throttle.co.nz. Otherwise, this is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. Listener.